read with us, we'll look in the first John chapter number five. First uh, John chapter number five. Maybe we'll just read a few verses here. I don't know as the longer the longer I, I stand and try to preach or to teach the word, there's never a good place to start and there's never a good place to stop. Seemingly it, it just all goes together, but for sake of time, let's start in verse 6, if you would. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He hath testified of His Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of His Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Maybe that's all we'll read. Probably never get that covered. But in the start of this, of course, he's speaking about the Lord Jesus. And He came by water and by blood. So I think the picture there, you could look many places in the Old Testament. In Hebrews chapter 9, he, he brings this to light just a little bit. But talking about the first tabernacle and the first covenant, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed upon them until the time of Reformation. So in the Old Testament... There were washings. They would wash their flesh. They would uh, wash their tables. They would wash all of these things for defilement. When they were unclean at times, God would direct them to wash for seven days and uh, all of these things, as well as blood sacrifice. And so the defilement of man, the Lord Jesus came to completely do away with the defilement of man. He, he came by not water only, he didn't just come to wash and clean me up, but He came by water and by blood. And the writer, John here, over in his gospel, notice how this is worded in John chapter 19, verse number 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth, that he saith true, that you might believe. So John bore witness. He was there when that soldier drove the spear into the side of the Son of God and he saw with his own eyes. And that's what he's saying. I seen it with my eyes that blood and water came out of the side of the Lord Jesus. So from the Lord and His sacrifice came the water that was needed to purify and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness as well as the blood, the sacrifice that was required to appease the wrath of God. 
Not only did we need to be cleansed from the sin that had us polluted, but we needed a sacrifice that would satisfy the law of God and the wrath of God for the sin that we committed. And the Lord Jesus came to bring both. You know, uh, if it had been me or you, and certainly in the flesh of the Lord Jesus, we'd rather just have water and not have to shed our blood. The Lord prayed in the garden, and He said, Lord, if it be Thy will, let this cup pass from me. If there be another way, let this cup pass from me. The flesh, He did not want to sacrifice and endure the pain and the suffering that He was about to endure in the flesh. But down in the inward man, the God-man, the desire to please God was there and it was greater than what was in the flesh. So the Lord Jesus came that you and I could be clean from our sin and that we could be uh, justified with God by the law. The law has not been uh, swept under the table. Judgment has not been not done. You say, well, how could somebody that's a sinner be let go and say that justice has been served. Well, if you're just going to let me go, then justice has not been served. But the, the wrath and the punishment for the sin that was committed was laid on the back of the Savior. And through Jesus, there came a means to be cleansed, to be sanctified, and to be justified in the law through His sacrifice. And friends, that's the only means that there is to satisfy God. Those blood, the blood of bulls, of goats, of lambs, of turtle doves, of all the offerings that they made in the Old Testament. And you know what? I don't think enough is said about that. There was a continual offering being offered every day down there at the temple. When they slain one, there was always another one that was to come. It was over and over blood that was shed. And you know, none of that ever cleansed anybody. They washed and they cleansed, and they sanctified, and it might make their flesh smell better, it might make their appearance better to man, but as far as being clean in God's eyes, none of that ever cleansed man. But the Lord came that man could be saved to make a way that had not been before Him, a way, a new and living way, the Bible says in Hebrews. So He came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, you know, through the book, the message of the book is the Lord Jesus and the work that God was going to accomplish through Him. Man's redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the message of the book and He is the only name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. We must be washed in the water and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't have one without the other. You can't be washed and clean without the blood being applied. You can't have the blood without being washed. You know, today, what people would like is to put a little blood on a life, as Bear said, a life that's in the world and a life that's in sin. But that is not the salvation that the Lord came to bring. He brought a salvation that cleansed man and made a new creature out of him through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness. So God provided a witness 
to the work that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to do. You know, I, I didn't see him ascend unto heaven. I didn't see him put his blood on the things in the heavenlies. I didn't see God set him at his right hand with my own two eyes. I, I did not. We've got record that that's what happened. But I've never seen that. Now how, how can you believe something like that? Now really, how can you believe that? God provided not just the word of John and I witness to the Lord Jesus on the earth, not just the apostles, not just Moses and all of the prophets, but God provided His Spirit that would live and dwell among and inside them that believe the gospel. And it's Him that testifies of the work that the Lord Jesus done. You know, I can testify to you Bear could testify to you. The church could testify of that work that the Lord done in the heart. But the only way that it's going to enlighten somebody is that the Spirit of God would enlighten them. He is the witness. He is the, if you'll have it, the preacher. He's the one that God ordained to bear witness of the work that His Son has done. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So, something that's very much lost today, the Trinity, certainly it's taught right here. All through the book, we'll see it. If you turn to the first chapter of Genesis, you're going to read, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then down in verse 2, you're going to see the Spirit that's there brooding over the water. And in verse 3, you're going to see, and God said. You know what all that is? There's the Father, the Spirit, and the Word of God, every bit introduced in the first two or three verses of the book. And then you'll turn over, you'll see God say, let us, not let me, but let us make man in his own image. And you want a New Testament example? You look in Matthew, Matthew chapter number 3, you're going to see the Lord Jesus and John's going to baptize him. And the Bible says the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So there's the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God, came and made flesh and dwelling among us. There He is being baptized, the Spirit of God descending and uh, agreeing with Him, and the Father out of heaven agreeing with Him. There's the three witnesses. But the Bible says they are one. Now there are three. They're each distinct from one another, but they are one. You can look back in the law and you'll read the Lord our God is one Lord. Not three, but one Lord. So how do we reconcile those Scriptures? How do we bring that together? For certainly there's three, but they're one. Well, this is it. They've got one mind, one will, one desire, 
one work to accomplish. They do not have separate minds. They do not work independently of one another. They do not, they've never had to uh, disagreement and had to take counsel with one another. They are one in their mind, in their will, and in their determination, and they never disagree with one another. They are the same witness. You want to hear the witness of the Father? Then we can look at what the Son of God says. You want to hear what the Father and the Son says? If we could hear the Spirit, we could hear the Father and the Son. The Lord Jesus said many times, I and my Father are one. And He said in John 14, He said, if any man love me and keep my commandments, me and my Father shall come and make our abode with Him. Now he was talking in John 14 about the Comforter, the Holy Ghost that was to come. So the Holy Ghost dwelling is the same as the Son dwelling in you. It's the same as God dwelling in you. The Holy Spirit is God as much as the Word, Jesus, is God. As much as God the Father is God. They are all one in agreement with the same mind and with the same accord. And do you know what their uh, desire is? What are they bearing witness, testifying about? That Jesus Christ has came and sacrificed Himself that man could be redeemed. Now the truth, there is no other message that can be preached to the salvation of mankind. The Lord, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one, and these three are testifying in heaven. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood... And these three agree in one. So there again, the Spirit, the Spirit is the bridge that brings the heavenly and the earthly together. God in heaven, my flesh, I can't see Him. I can't lay hands on God. I can't drive over into heaven and visit there. I can't take an airplane or a, a spaceship and get to heaven where God's at and visit. But you know, we've got to tie into the heavenlies. We've got a means for us to be able to receive the witness from heaven where God's at and have that witness with us. The Spirit the water and the blood. That's the testimony that we have. And you know what that testifies? You talk about love now. Here's God showing His love through the sacrifice of the Son of God desiring to bring redemption to sinners who have zero thought for Him whatsoever. Maybe you're different than I was. But when I was lost, I had zero desire for God. I didn't care whether I pleased Him or not. I wasn't trying to please Him. I was doing my own thing. And if I found myself in contrary uh, contradiction to the Word of God, I just went on right over top of the Word. But you know what love that was testified, it can't be argued with. People may say today, well, I, I don't know whether God loves or not. I don't know whether God really cares about me or not. Well, you know, we've got witness. We've got the testimony on the earth that God loves man. You know what that is? 
God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners and while we were yet in rebellion against God, that God slew His Son Jesus on the cross for us. You can look to the cross there. And friends, the cross, that's not up in heaven. There was a place on the earth, in the dust of the earth, and in the ground of this world where real people where the Roman government and the Jewish people and Pilate and Caesar and all of these men were present, there was a place where a true and a real cross made out of wood stood on the earth. There was a real man that was born to a virgin named Mary that lived with his brethren and with his mother and his father that went and walked the very streets of Israel and Jerusalem that lived and ate Amongst man. And there were real nails that was driven into him and real blood that came out of his body. John saw it. See, a lot of this leap in the dark junk is not true. These were, these were eyewitnesses. There were men that saw the Lord raise the dead And there were men that saw the Lord after He rose from the dead and they pinned it down and said, we seen it. I felt Him. I touched Him. I was there when the Lord appeared. And He said, Thomas, run your finger in here and feel where the nail was and take your arm and run it up in my side where they stabbed me. You see whether I'm Him or not. There was men that seen Him and bore witness to that. Well, I don't believe that witness. Well, what do people believe? I mean, we dig up some book that says Rome conquered this place in this time. People believe that. What about the eyewitnesses that are all in agreement that God provided and didn't provide to trod man underfoot, didn't provide to exalt and to cast down man, but He provided it that man could look to the Son of God for salvation. That man could put their faith and their trust in a work that was done physically right here on the earth. I realize we're 2,000 years nearly removed from when John wrote this book down. But there was a man whose name was John who was an apostle who probably took a leather scroll and a pen that was dipped in ink and he wrote these words with his real hand down. He bore record to the work that God had done, to the things that He had seen, to the working of the Spirit and the witness. There was a real natural witness to the work the Lord done. Well, I don't believe that hocus pocus. Well, it ain't all hocus pocus. There is a heavenly witness that can't be seen, but there's a natural witness and there was natural occurrences and the Lord was made flesh and blood and He died just like you and I die. But He died without sin. He died without guilt. And He died as a substitute for you and I and our guilt. And for our sin. 
So there's three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. So we've got all this agreement here. No contradiction. No disagreement. None of the facts are different depending on who you're talking to. Everything lines up. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. You can take that plumb line and you can set it next to the Word of God and you're going to find that every block and that every verse and that every chapter is line upon line, perfect in order, bearing witness to one work. That man who fell in the garden by his own rebellion and disobedience to God, that the Lord has made a way to purchase him back from the power of the devil and from the sin that he's committed, and that work was accomplished in Jesus Christ. That's the witness of the Word of God. And there's three. Now it's worth noting here. He don't say the church at Jerusalem. Now you go back to when this was wrote now. There was a church at Jerusalem. There was the first church that there ever was. That church started on the day of Pentecost as the apostles and those that were in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and began to preach. You know, that's, that's not a fairy tale. You know, there was a real day of Pentecost 40 days after the Lord Jesus, or 50 days after the Lord Jesus had ascended or raised from the dead. There was a literal day of Pentecost. The city was literally filled with real people like me and you. And these real men went out and began to preach by the Spirit what God had done. There were 3,000 souls. Real people that bowed in repentance at the preaching of the gospel, putting their faith in a work that God had accomplished. I don't believe whether all that's true or not. I don't know whether Jesus hung on the cross. I've never seen it, but my God, what witness we've got to it. That 3,000 people, by the way, 3,000 Jews, who if they were there at Pentecost... They were probably there at the feast of the Passover 50 days before. And if they were there at the feast of the Passover, they were there when the Lord Jesus hung on the cross. Well, maybe they didn't know that was going on. I beg to differ because from, uh, was it 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock? Six hour to the ninth hour? From 12 to 3, God covered the world in darkness. Now, we're about an hour from 12 o'clock. Could you imagine when the clock struck 12, that darkness covered the Cherokee Reservation? Could you imagine that when the clock struck 12, all of western North Carolina fell under darkness? You know what we'd be saying? What in the world has happened here? Would we not? Would we not begin to say what's going on? What's happening? Why are we in darkness? And they could say, look, they've hung this man Jesus and he's hanging there right now. This wasn't done in a corner. It was done openly and in view of everybody. The Lord was hung on the cross for the sins of mankind. And God provided witnesses of these things. But now that church at Jerusalem... I would imagine Peter 
James, John, Thomas, those apostles, those that were saved there on the day of Pentecost, those 3,000, many of those probably members of that church at Jerusalem, many great and wonderful men and women, as you and I would account of them. I believe Mary Magdalene, the one He cast seven devils out of, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, I believe they were all a part of that church. But it's not the church that's the witness here. It's not. The Holy Ghost is the witness. The Spirit and the water and the blood, they are the witnesses that agree in one on this earth. So what ought to be the desire of the church? That God would fill us with His Spirit. That God would fill us with the witness and that we could testify through the witness that God provided, the testifier that God provided. It's a courtroom picture that you've got here, and you've got it on trial. And you know what it is? In the hearts of many, whether Jesus ever came or not, that's on trial. And we're going to try it, and we're going to see whether He was who they said He was. Well, God provided one to speak for Him. The Holy Spirit. And so he says, let's go on. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. This is the witness which of God which He had testified of His Son. So the word witness there in that chapter, it means evidence given. If we receive the evidence given of men, the evidence given of God is greater. And you know, I, I've got nothing against the witness of men, I believe we're taught in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and in many places through the law, you're going to read fathers and mothers teach these things to your children. Rightly divided. And when they ask a question, you can say, we do this because God brought us out of Egypt. We do this because God brought us over Jordan. We do this because God wrought great victory in us. Teach them to your children, he says. And in Ephesians, in the New Testament, he says, fathers, don't provoke them to anger or to wrath, but bring them up in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. Teach them to the children. I believe we ought to bear witness. We ought to testify. And we ought to give evidence. But now as, as a young man, growing up in church, being taught about, I'd received the witness of men. I believe some of these children here, maybe even way too early for them to reach the age of accountability, but some of them have received the witness of men. I've got a little boy that you could ask him right now. Do you believe Jesus came? I believe He came. Do you believe He died? I believe He died. Do you believe He resurrected? I believe He resurrected. You know how He's able to say that from the witness of men. Maybe I've taught him some of that. Maybe Morgan's talked to him about it. Maybe he's heard some of it in Sunday school at the church. Maybe he's heard some of it through preaching, but he's got it from the witness of man. He's heard it from what man has said. Now, I was like that. I believed. I believed that the Bible was the Word of God, but I believed it because I'd received it from the witness of men. But the witness of God is greater. 
God's evidence is greater than the evidence that man provides. You know, I can tell them. I can tell them, and you know, as much as I'd like to convince them, I can tell them and I can say, Son, I believe it. I'll believe it till the day I die, but I cannot work in their inward man to convince them. And you know what's the truth? My witness won't be enough to keep them because they're going to get out in the world and they're going to go to school and they're going to go to college and there's going to be people that appear to be much smarter than I am and they're going to begin to teach them things that are against the Word of God. They're going to teach them to go the other way and to disbelieve. But boy, there's a greater witness. There's a witness that can do more than what I can do. He can appeal to more than the ear and the eye. The witness of the Spirit of God, the greater witness, He comes down in the heart and He convinces a man. I believed it before. But boy, I'm telling you, when God came by my way with the power of the witness of the Spirit, when the Holy Ghost gave me evidence, He convinced me of it. I've not. And when you get saved, I don't believe you will either. I tell you, God's witness, He's convincing. If you were on trial today, you'd want a witness that could convince the jury. You know what we ought to want here? We ought to want a witness that can convince those right here. And when we go out in the world, we ought to desire a witness that could convince those round about us. Well, preacher, we can tell them. You can tell them, but there will not be any convincing in the inward man outside of the Spirit of God. You know, God provided us a witness. God provided somebody to speak for the church. He provided us the Spirit. Okay. If we receive the witness of men... The witness of God is greater. For this is the witness, the evidence given, that God provided. This is the evidence given of God. Not of Peter, James, and John. Not of the Apostle Paul. But you know, God gave evidence that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. God gave evidence that Jesus was sitting on the throne of the right hand of God. And I, I, Now listen now. Teach your children. Establish it in their heart. Do everything you can to tell them what the Word of God says and establish them on it. But know this, that will not keep them. We need the witness, the evidence that God provided to speak to their heart or they'll never be saved. They won't be. This is the witness which He hath testified of His Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in Himself. So those that believe, boy, I'm going to tell you, there's a word that is butchered in churches all across our world today. They take that in this one verse, maybe over in John 3.16, maybe a tad bit of Romans 10, and well, all you have to do is believe. Right. Well, that sounds good out of context. 
But you know, I've got another verse as well. In James chapter 2, the devils believe and tremble. There's more than just believing it in the head. I believed it in my head. I believed it from the witness of men. But God came and it was more than belief then. I was absolutely 100% convinced by the power of God bearing witness in my heart. And I tell you the great thing that he, that he bore witness to me was that I was a sinner. Now you could have told me that. Liberty could have told me that. Mom and Daddy could have told me that. Granny and Grandpa could have told me that. And I would have never received it. But God came by. And you know how long it took. I can tell you how it happened to me. And if you're really saved, you remember it too. I was on a baseball field. Played second base. The boy playing first base, I don't know, he was probably nine, ten years old. The boy playing first base, he come over and he said, Joseph, have you ever been saved? Now this is no lie. I'd been asked that before. I talked about it with my cousins. And as far as I knew, and as much as I considered, I was as saved as anybody in the church house. I believed in Jesus. That's all you've got to do. I was as saved as anybody. But that boy asked me that question today, and God began to work in here, and I couldn't say yes anymore. I was lost. Now man didn't witness that. They didn't sit me down at the church and say, now listen, son, this is the way you're talking. This is the things you're doing. This is how you're living. This is what's wrong with you. And you need to be saved. There's a lot of that goes on today. Trying to convince man into the altar. Trying to drag them to repentance. Trying to make them to do better. i tell you what they need. They need God's witness to convince them and they'll be convinced. Amen. They won't be talked out of it then. He's the greater witness. The larger witness. And if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness, the evidence given, in himself. So here then, the evidence that God provided of the work that the Son did, the Spirit of God. He's bearing witness out here He's speaking to my inward man. And when I get saved, and I'll tell you this happens, not just to one or two, not just to those that are ordained to preach, not just to the deacons, not just to the singers, not just to a a few here and a little there, but to everyone that believeth the witness of God enters into them. That God moves in. In the person of the Spirit and dwells in the heart of those that believe. Well, preacher, I don't have that witness. And you're not in Christ. Because he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. God has taken the evidence and placed that evidence in you. So then, now, as it stands, where is the evidence of the work that God done in Jesus Christ today. Where are you going to go to find evidence 
of the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ today. That's it, I heard it. Maybe it was Melvin that said it. The web evidence given is inside of them that believe. You know where them that believe are? They're down at the house of God. God's evidence is right here among us. And Paul worded it like this, so beautifully worded, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know what this treasure is? It's the evidence of God's work in Jesus Christ that He completed on the cross. And God's give that to the church. So now, if people are going to see the work that God done on the cross through Jesus, they're going to see that evidence in them that believe the gospel and that are born again. And folks, it's not who they are or where they come from or their favor in the community. That evidence given comes from God and it is the Spirit of God. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Whoo! That sounds bad, don't it? But now think about this. If I tell you this is what happened to me yesterday and I give you an account of what happened to me yesterday, you can say, I believe what... And I believe that your witness is true. What you're saying, I believe that it's true. But you know, if you say now, I don't believe that. Bless you, God. You know what you're saying? You're saying I'm a liar. You're saying my witness that I've provided you is unreliable and untrue. Well, folks, God's provided witness of the work that He done in Jesus Christ. And those that do not receive God's evidence and those that do not believe God's testimony, they're saying, God, You're the liar. Now who's lying? Who's lying today? You know what the book says? You, you, know, you know well and good what the book says. Let God be true. You can finish it. You already have. Let God be true and every man a liar. So who ought we to believe? Should you believe what I say? Should you believe I'm saved because I get up and say I'm saved? Should you believe I'm saved because I testify to it? Or should you believe it because there's a greater witness that bears witness to what I'm saying? Folks, there's where it's at. Those that are saved, they have the Spirit. They have the witness in themselves. And what the church ought to look for is whether the witness of God dwells in them or not. And if there's no witness, there is no salvation. They have not received the evidence that God's gave and hath made him a liar because he believed His son. So God provided a record of what the Son accomplished. God says in Corinthians, God says that if one died for all, then we're all dead. God says in Romans chapter 3 that the law came that all every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. God said there's no other name given under heaven whereby 
must be saved. And God in the flesh said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must have a change. You must be born, not of this world, but born from above. Born how? Born of the water and of the Spirit. So Christ Jesus came to bring salvation and real redemption. And those that believe, they have the witness in themselves. But those that do not believe and will not receive the witness have pointed in God's face and said, your record is not true and I don't believe it. Well, verse 11 This is the record. So here it is. What is the record that God gave? That God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. You know where eternal life is? It's not in Old Antioch. It's not in Liberty on Spring Creek. No, eternal life is in the work of the Son of God in the blood and the water that was shed for the salvation of mankind, in the work that God done through our Lord Jesus Christ is salvation and eternal life. And outside of the Lord Jesus, there is no life. God said you're going to have to come through the Son of God in order to be justified. So, and I'm almost finished. I'll hush in just a minute. I hope I've not been too long. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, could that be said any plainer than what it's said right there? I mean, how do you know whether somebody's saved or not? Is it how many times you go to church in a month or in a year or in a lifetime? Is it in how good you are to your friends and to your family and to your neighbors? Is it in how you talk, whether you say a lot of cuss words or not? Is it in the way you communicate with the brethren? Is it in how you sit in the house of God? Is it in how you sing? He doesn't say any of those things here. And now, now don't take words and twist it. Now when God enters in, if He's got a filthy mouth, He'll clean it up. And if He don't care a nickel for the church house, when God cleans Him up and makes a new creature, He'll be down here every time the doors is open. But there's, you know, there's lost people that come. And there's lost people that are moral. There's lost people that believe. There's people that, that are good, moral, religious people that do not have the witness in themselves. They've received the witness of men. Mom and Daddy taught them well. And thank God for that. But friends, this salvation, it's more than just receiving what mom and daddy told you. This is a work God came to do in the heart. So he says, He that hath the Son hath life. You want to know them that are saved? Them that are in Christ Jesus and them that have the witness in themselves. They have life. And those that are without the Son, those that have not the Son, they do not have life. So what ought I to be concerned with? I tell you, 
whether it's saved people sitting on the church concerned about family, friends, and loved ones that are in the world, or whether I'm a lost man or woman sitting in the church house, I ought to be concerned about one thing, the Holy Spirit and His presence on me. If I'm saved, I ought to be seeking God. God, fill me with your Spirit. God, cause me to hunger after the witness that you provided us that we could help convince other people. And the lost ought to be searching whether the witness is within them or not. Know you not how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates. Those that are without the witness, they're castaways and reprobates. That's all that's on our heart.